course and uh, give him all the glory and give him all the praise. Uh, really set our affections and attention on him in a corporate way to glorify him and to express our deep, deep gratefulness for what he has done. Where would we be without Jesus? Amen? Amen. We are grateful to have uh, the family of Emily Robleski. Is that Perona? I memorized it by saying Perona. Oh, Perona. Amen. Good. We have some folks traveling um, that have requested that we pray for them. The Sharps are coming back from Florida, and uh, Debbie's daughter is traveling with some young, very, very young children. And so let's just lift them up in prayer right now that God will that God will bless their, their traveling. Lord, we just thank you for the fact that you are our God. Our life and times are in your hands. We place these folks in your loving arms and in your hands right now. Leave them with you for this, for this trip and this day. We give them over in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we're entering our time of being of, of the summer in the Psalms. And the Psalms are a fantastic book because it brings out uh, the greatness of God, the awesomeness of God, the wonder of God, the amazement of God. But also it brings out um, man's emotions, doesn't it? The anger of man, the frustration of man, the, the worry of man, the anxiety of man. And usually when David writes his Psalms, he always starts like that. I want to bash my enemy's I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about that, and what's going to happen here, God, and what is going on, and everything else. And then he offers this, but, the big but, amen, is, but we will put our trust and faith in God, amen. So the Psalms are awesome for us to read through, because we can jump into the emotions and into the story of the individual that is writing the Psalms, mostly David, but there's others that write, write the Psalms, so. Today we're going to jump into Psalms 145. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there, that would be that would be awesome. Psalms 145. How many of you have ever met a fanatic? Have you ever met a fanatic? Right? Joe is one. A fanatic is uh, someone that... Um, jumps into something with, uh, with passion and, and a zeal that is uncommon. Someone that uh, is obsessively interested in something with great, great enthusiasm, right? A fanatic. Uh, nowadays, we look at fanatic in a, in a, in a way that's uh, not good. As you look at all the fanatics around the world that are excessively interested and very enthusiastic for evil and for wrong. But we have a fanatic right here. Did you know that? And that is Sean Ryder. Sean Ryder is a fanatic. He loves sports. You, have you ever met a sport fanatic before? Sean is the type of guy, and I'm going to ask him a question I, about sports, and I bet he can rip it off, okay? Rip it off meaning give the answer. Sean. Name a couple of dudes on the 1969 championship Mets team. 
That's all you got? Tommy aging? Okay. Great. When, when were you born? 78. Well, I was there to see it, okay? I was there to see it. Yeah, right? I was six, but I saw it, man. You know what I'm saying? We know, we, we know fanatics. We know people that are, are excessive into something. And you know what? We kind of we, we kind of look up to them, don't we? They have a passion. They have a desire. They have a, a zeal that we're like, yeah, man. My life is really dumpy, and I wish I had some kind of zeal for something. Don't we sometimes feel like that? David writes this psalm in such a way that it seems like he's a fanatic. He's ranting and raving about the greatness and the wonder of God. As we get into it, he's trying to come up with words to express God. And he, he, he uses words like God is unsearchable and unfathomable. Okay? And, and words that we can't even pronounce to try and, and, and get the concept of who God is. When we read this psalm, we're going to be encouraged about the greatness of God. And David's zeal and his passion fanaticism about ranting and raving about the glory and the grace, the goodness and the greatness of God. Let's read Psalms number 145. I will exalt you, my God and King. Praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you. Great is the Lord is worthy of praise. This microphone I have on my is not great. We're trying to work through the numbness of this microphone. Who blazes is going, what's that? Take God is great. going to be great this morning. Amen. All right. My voice is deeper with this. Have you noticed? Awesome. I like this microphone. Well, does anybody else want to try it? Hello. All right. Good. Awesome. I grew a tail. Fantastic. Whew. One more time. God is great. All the time. Amen. All right. Let's read the scripture, shall we? 145. I will exalt you, my God and King. Praise your name forever and ever. I like him. He says forever, and then he throws on another ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majesty, glorious splendor, and your wonderful miracles. You, your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. 
What does it mean for God to be all-powerful in your life, sovereign, in total control of your life and your circumstance? I don't know, because most times I don't think he is in control, right? Sometimes we have doubts. Sometimes we have worries. Sometimes we have anxieties. Uh, and we like to be controllers, don't we? We feel that we can control people. We feel that we can control situations. We feel that we can control uh, uh, relationships. And we become control freaks. Isn't that true? David is writing here and telling us that God is so, so great in your life this morning that you can take it easy. You can rest. You don't have to be in control. Doesn't that give you a shot of peace, right? Because we try to engineer circumstances. We try to engineer people. The Bible says that our life and our times are in God's hands, that he knew us before we were born. Ephesians tells us that he knew the good deeds and the good works that he was going to perform through us even before time began. Don't you know that you can rest in the greatness of God for your lifetime? You don't have to be in control. My daughter came up with a great word, stinkum stance. And she explained it to me that stinkum stance is a situation that really stinks, Daddy. I said, would it be okay if I use that word in my sermon? Stinkum stance. Right? How many of you are, are in a stinkum stance right now? Where you're not you're not really you're wondering what in the world, how can I control this? How can I take over? How can I engineer what I what I desire and what I want in this circumstance? I can't. It's a stinkum stance, right? And God is saying is that we need to focus not on our stinkum stance, but focus on the Savior that entered into every circumstance and situation and brokenness of mankind. You see, Jesus Christ was a fanatic. He was a fanatic. He was fanatical about his undying love for mankind. His unstoppable, unbreakable love that broke through every, every obstacle and barrier in your life when you were powerless, when you were helpless, when you were a sinner filled with shame and sorrow. God's love broke through and said, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I got a plan and a purpose for your life. I can forgive your sins set you free, give you a new heart and a new mind to focus on me because I am great, right? Isn't that wonderful? Jesus Christ is a, is a fanatic, and he's fanatically filled with zeal to show himself strong on your behalf in your stinking stance and in every relationship that you have this morning. He wants to be the great I am for you today and bless you as you focus on his greatness, what have you been focusing on this morning? For some reason, at least me, I have a negative bent. <laughs> Do you have a negative bent? It's easier to think on the things that are negative and kind of muse them over in your heart and in your mind. Isn't it true? Negativity. Negative things. Things that can go wrong. Things that I don't like. Things that I want to change about people. 
a lot of people. Things that are just not, not good, and I want to do things, and I want. God says, take it easy. Praise me. Right? Praise me. It's interesting in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, before we entertain our requests and petitions before God, what do we do? We offer them in thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is a password into the very presence of God for your life. If you're in a stinkum stance this morning, begin to praise him and begin to thank him. Right now. Praise him and thank him for who he is, for his greatness, for his awesomeness, for his ginormousness, okay? For his adorationableness. It's another word my daughter came up with, which I like. Adorationableness. We can adore him because of who he is, right? So, we praise God because he is great. Is he great? The Bible says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. We've talked about meditation before. Isn't it true? It's how you chew your cud more, okay? The cow eats, regurgitates it down into his first stomach, coughs it back up. You see the cows? Like that, chewing on, on the thing. And then they send it down to like the second stomach. I think they have like five stomachs. Back up. And they're just regurgitating and going over that piece of grass, trying to get something out of it, right? This is what we do with the Word of God. We muse over it. We get it into our mind. We let it get down into our heart. We think about it again. We go over and over the greatness and the wonder and the amazing uh, aspects of who God is. And we chew on that thing. And out of that, our spirits are lifted and we're able to give praise in every circumstance. God is great. You don't have to be in control. We overcome the grip of fear in our lives by knowing who God is and what he has done for us through his son. And that is everything. Amen? The gospel changes anything and it changes everything. And it can do today through the power of the Holy Spirit what only he can do. You need him today. You need to focus on his greatness. You need to focus on the wonder of who he is and what he has done today. Let's read verse 8 and 9. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. The Lord is gracious. Isn't that something? The Lord is gracious. Have you ever put up, um, have you ever had a friend that puts up with you? Right? You can be your worst, and this friend, like, is steady, just loves you. Every once in a while, mothers count. Amen. It's just, that was good. Mothers count. Amen. Tom just snuck up. Okay? He's going to take care of this situation with the microphone. Ooh. Okay. 
Goosebumps, excellent. I'm going to miss this microphone, though, I'll tell you. Just keep using it. Okay. All right, God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. God puts up with me. He loves you as you are. In all your weakness and insufficiencies, he's steady with a forever love. When your hand is raised against him, when you're in rebelling and cursing against him, his love is a steady, steady love. He puts up with you. He just grabs you and he gives you a hug. He says, I love you. You don't have to prove yourself to me. I love you. I love you. And you know what? Because he loves us, we don't have to prove ourselves to people. Isn't that true? How many are bound up with proving, proving your love and justifying your, your, your existence to people? And you try hard and hard and hard and nobody understands you. Nobody seems like they love you. Nobody can put up with you. But you know what? Jesus loves you, and his grace can overcome any, any situation. He loves you today. You don't have to prove yourself. The greatest thing about Christ is that he makes us very comfortable in our own skin. Isn't that true? Right? How many like to put on a facade, right, and live on a daily basis? Somebody who you are not just because you think somebody else wants you to be that way or thinks that way of you. What a facade. Amen? I like being myself because God is, uh, is able to use us as we become ourselves and we're comfortable in our own skin. Understand the grace of God today, that he loves you, that he has a plan and purpose for your life, and that he wants to change you. It's kind of like Star Wars, like a, you know? Down? In. One more? No, okay. All right, let's get down. Let's get down to business here. The uh, prodigal son was outside the grace of God. He came home, and his father ran to him. And loved on him. Got the fatted calf. Threw a celebration party. And what did the other son that was always there. What did he do? He stood outside of the celebration of grace. Because he thought that his younger brother. Had to prove himself. Right? Let me ask you a question. Are you outside the celebration of grace? Because you're worried about proving yourself to God. You can't do it. You have to rest in the approval of Jesus Christ, and he loves you today, right? He loves you. See, that dude felt like he had to, like the younger son had to, had to prove himself to the father, but the father loved him, right? Now, here's another thing. How many of you look at another Christian and say, that person has to prove himself before he becomes one of us, right? He's got to do this, he's got to do that, he's got to stop doing that, he's got to stop doing that. No, the father says, come into the fatted calf. Come into the celebration. Come into my love and come into my grace that I can change you and mold you. I can show my grace upon you. Paul loved the grace of God. And he knew it was the grace of God that was working in him. And the Bible says that Paul relishes in his weaknesses so that the grace of God becomes his strength. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I become your strength. Isn't that something? 
Rely on the grace of God today and understand that you don't have to prove yourself. You're already proved of God. You do what he says. You do what the word of God says. You live by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are loved. 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 Amen? Relish in it. Receive it this morning. Don't prove yourself to anyone. Receive his love. Gain the approval of God. And walk in that approval this morning. God is gracious. How about the woman that poured out the alabaster box? That was all her savings. They say it was a one-year salary. She came into Jesus while Jesus was eating, reclining, broke that alabaster box of perfume and poured it out on his feet. And what did the others say? You stupid woman. Don't you know that could feed like thousands of people? And Jesus said, oh, oh, take it easy. Her worship and her adorationableness towards me will be a memorial of my death and of my life. Right? What the world wants out there is someone that loves God because God has shown you love. And it will be a memorial to a lost and broken world. Break open your alabaster box. Be gracious to people. Love on people. Show them the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it will stand for all eternity. Live out the grace of God in your heart and in your life. Be gracious. Even when people persecute you, be gracious. Even when people uh, hurt you, be gracious. And feel the approval of God as you worship him. Our relationship with Jesus frees us from having to justify our own existence. We don't have to prove our importance. We don't have to prove our worth. We don't have to prove our value. We don't have to fit in with peers or go along with current trends and fads and politicalness, the craziness of this this culture that's going on. Our minds have been taken captive by Christ's lordship. And he is our master and he is our God. Now, what captivates us is the grace and the love And the beauty of who God is, that's what captures us, right? Remember, husbands and wives, when your spouses captured you by their love? Well, you should. Okay, let's, come on. Yes, yes, you do remember. Amen. I told my family when I met Steph, I'm building the web literally use those terms. I would encompass her with my love. And then when you see like small little insects wrapped in a big spider's web, they're like, right? That's what I wanted Stephanie to be in my love. And yes, she was. I built a web of love. Actually, my friend said, how in the world did you get her? I said, the grace of God. That's how I got her. Amen? That's how I got her, the grace of God. Everything that you have is because of the grace of God. Everything that you are is because of the grace of God. We don't take credit for anything that we do. We give grace. We give praise and adoration to God. We're breathing today. We give thanks to God. Amen? All right. Let's go on to verse 10. All of our works 
will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. God is glorious. Amen? God is glorious. What is glory? It's weight. It's importance. It's honor. It's esteem. God is glorious. And do you know what? We are being changed daily by the glory of Christ, being transformed into his image from glory to glory. We have within us the Holy Spirit that shines and speaks of the gloriousness, so to speak, of God, the importance and the significance of who God is. So when we give glory to individuals or institutions or organizations or political people, we are giving the whole weight of our existence towards them, and all of a sudden we begin to worship them. Who carries the most weight in your life this morning? Is it Hillary Clinton? Is it Donald Trump? Is it President Barack Hussein Obama? If it is, we will pray for you after the service. Our glory rests in the importance and significance of who Jesus Christ is. His kingdom shall never, never end, and you are a part of it. Amen? The King of kings and the Lord of lords will crack the sky, seated on a white horse, his name faithful and true. I forget the rest of it, but it's really, really good. Amen? <laughs> Written on his thigh, it just came to me. Faithful and true. The blood of the Lamb. Amen? He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. And aren't you grateful today that you are a part of the kingdom of God? When he travels on his white horse, we are marching behind him in victory, overcoming power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ for you and your life, for your family, for your stinkum sense, for anything that you're going through this morning. We live our lives by the authority and the victory of Jesus Christ. And we rest in it this morning. God is glorious. I don't have to fear what others think of me. Amen? I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear because God is glorious today. We are part of his kingdom. In a kingdom, there is a king and there is a domain that is ruled and reigned, ruled and governed by that king. The kingdom of God is within you. How is your heart today? How is your heart today? Is it ruled and governed by Jesus Christ and the word of God? I've been asking myself two questions lately. Number one, what's wrong with me? And number two, what's my problem? David understood the greatness of, of God, I think, because he understood what his problem was and he understood what was wrong with him. David said in Psalms 139, Search me, O God, 
and know my heart. Understand what makes me go and help me. Psalms 19 says, um, help me with the sins that I commit and even the sins that I don't, I, I don't commit. Listen, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my Lord and my Redeemer. He understood his heart. And he understood that before we start looking at other people and other organizations and other churches, get down on your knees and ask Jesus two questions. God, what's wrong with me? What's my problem? Right? Three types of people. Those that never, ever, ever look into their heart and see what's wrong. Those are the, no, it's not me. Those are those people. They're the people that Jesus said has a log in their eye. And they're trying to take out a little speck in others, right? Come here, you got a little piece of lint right there. Right? Always looking at other people. Always transferring blame. Always transferring judgment. Always transferring the the move of the Holy Spirit because they don't want to answer the question, what is wrong with my heart? What's my problem? Then there's the woe is me people. Those are the people that kind of like their problems. They kind of like their situation. Whenever you talk to them, you come up to them and they say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I've been going through some tough times. I've been like this for 25 years and whoa. Woe is me, okay? Listen, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Then there's the third type of person. Lord, it is me. It's me standing in the need of prayer. It's me, oh God. Help me. Change me. Mold me. Transform me this morning. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable, pleasing, favorable to you so that I can cast your glory and your goodness and your grace and your greatness to a broken, lost, lost world. Lord, it is me standing in the need of prayer. I'm wrong. And I've got problems and I need your grace. The Bible says that we should come boldly. See, when you look at your heart and you ask yourself those two questions, you immediately get up and you say, because the Holy Spirit helps you up and he's dragging you to the throne of grace. He says, come boldly now, confidently to the throne of grace where you will receive mercy, forgiveness of everything that you've done, and you will find grace, empowerment to be what you ought to be. It's because of the grace of God. Amen? Don't try to change without the power of the grace of God because you'll be really, really angry, mixed up, messed up. Amen? Okay. God is glorious. You don't have to fear. Soon I'll learn how to keep the iPad on so you don't have to do the password every time that you, okay? Someone teach me that maybe after. Okay, great. All right. Here's a good one. Let's go from verse 14. Is everybody okay? What time is it? Everybody good? Okay. Listen, why don't you stand up, hug, hug the person next to you, and then sit back down. I'll help you up. All right, good.
All right, that's enough. Sit down, okay? That's enough. Sit down. What do we got? All this love. All right. The last one. God is great. Amen. Listen, God is great. I don't have... Listen, God is great. All the time. So I don't have to be in control. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Great. God is gracious. All the time, God is gracious. So I don't have to prove myself. We are approved of God, accepted by God today. Amen. Okay. God is glorious. All the time. All the time. So I don't have to fear what others think of me. Right? Who can cast your soul into hell? Your employer? Persons that's persecuting you? No. God. Fear him and fear him alone. What is the fear of the Lord? It's awe. It's apprehension. And it's appreciation. Amen? It's awe because of the greatness of God. It's apprehension that we don't want to offend God. We don't want to be in a place where we hurt the heart of God. And then it's appreciation. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen? All right. God is good. All the time. So I don't have to look elsewhere for satisfaction. Amen? I can't get no satisfaction. And how true, you can't get no satisfaction without Jesus. Let's read it. Verse 14. The Lord helps the fallen, lifts, lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. His, he, he hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. Here's David again. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. The invitation of the Bible is not to a dreary existence, to a dreary abstinence of everything that's fun and everything that's good. It's a call to find in God that which satisfies. It's believing that we find lasting fulfillment. And understanding what we were created for and what God made us. And that is coming into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. And have the blood of Christ applied to your heart where you're clean and you're forgiven. And you stand in right standing with God, accepted and adopted into his family. You want satisfaction? There it is. Amen? What the devil does is he comes and he gives little substitutes. Sexual substitutes, drugs, alcohol. Everything that God wants to desire for good, he distorts and he abuses and he perverts so that he can destroy us. The devil is said to come to steal, kill, and destroy. What does the Lord say? I've come to do. I've come to destroy the works of the enemy. 
I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? God is good. All the time. Don't find your satisfaction elsewhere because you'll be searching all your life. Your heart stops at the cross. Your burdens are rolled away. You find meaning and satisfaction in knowing whom to know is life eternal. John says that all these things were written that you might believe in the Son of God and that you might have life. Amen? Let's praise him this week for his greatness. Let's praise him for his grace. Let's praise him because he's a good God. Let's praise him because he's glorious. Amen? And take every thought captive that wants to destroy you with negative thinking and getting your eyes on what you aren't and where you haven't been and what you need to do and everything else. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Focus on his what he thinks of you and how he views you today. He loves you. Offer his heart to you. Offer your heart to him and say, God, I want to know what my problem is. I want to know what's wrong with me so that I can apply the grace of God and be free. Amen. Emily, I'm going to throw something at you. I'm going to find it first. No, would you, uh, would you come up and play the song that I love? that we just started singing. Emily knows which one it is. Oh, come to the altar. Jesus is calling, okay? Is that okay? We got some time, right? You've been partying all weekend. You got another party day tomorrow. Let's celebrate Jesus and everything that he is. Amen? Should we turn the air on? Who wants the air? Okay. Jesus is calling as he puts on the air conditioning. Let's worship him, okay? Oh, come to the altar.